and welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and the man the Wolves fans turn to when wanting to know what is going on at their club. It is the Wolves correspondent for The Athletic, Tim Spears. Hi, Tim. Hello, Jackie. And on the Molyneux View today, our guest is, well, it's Tim Spears, talking about actual football news, which is extraordinary. There's so much to talk about that Tim is the main man this week. Plus, we'll be hearing from you in tweet form with your questions and opinions, which are always very welcome, of course. But first, it's eight weeks. Can you believe it's been eight weeks since lockdown was announced? And this has been our first weekend of relative freedom with some of the restrictions lifted. How did you spend it, Tim? Well, I was so hungover on Saturday that I spent I spent Sunday on the sofa and so nothing nothing much has changed really and um, well i'm quite relieved we're doing this podcast because it's got me off twitter for an hour or so where i'm getting absolute mm, pelters for passing yes. opinion oh my goodness fancy having an opinion on something that's shocking it's Even one of those where one. you where you kind of open your twitter and it's like everyone's carrying pitchforks and going for you yes i saw a bit of the reaction you got this morning very interesting yeah all was was that Erling Haaland the 19 year old Norwegian who I'm a big admirer of I mean being half Norwegian as well I absolutely want to see the lad do well I just commented on the fact that I didn't think he'd done himself any favours by by saying bad questions to an interviewer but uh, Jan Argafjortoft who's big mates with his dad Alfinger Haaland is oh he's He's fuming and he's he's going for me big time. But I'm getting all sorts of DMs from various Norwegian football people going, no, 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 you're right, keep going. (laughs) Next player's just gone, no, you're right. But uh, hey-ho. So we have actual news this week, don't we, of footballs being kicked at Compton by more than one player at a time. And just as we've come on to record this, the Premier League have just announced a statement. So just explain what that involves and what impact it will have. Yes, not a surprise to see this um, resolution, I guess you'd call it, passed. But basically the Premier League clubs, unanimously I think, all 20 have agreed that um, squads can now start training together, albeit in small groups of of no more than five, and albeit while still maintaining social distancing. So it's it's a little bit of a step forward, It's, it's baby steps, and a progression from what they've been doing this week, which is very much individual isolation, running around a big pitch on your own, um, which has purely been really fitness work. But now they can start they can start to do a few more things, albeit limited, but they can start to um passing drills or shooting drills or whatever, um uh, as long as they're maintaining two meters between themselves. And I think that I think that's an important step for, for kind of team morale and you know a lot of these players will have been struggling, I'm sure, during during eight weeks of isolation and quarantine and we know that how much they love um, footballers, you know, that dressing room banter and all that, and that's what they've been missing. And they can start to get a bit of that back now if, the, if there's five of them together training in small groups. Then um, it's a slight step towards normality. Um, but yeah, that's not a huge surprise that that was passed, but the big one is is in the next couple of weeks, you know, can they return to, to contact training with each other and then possibly full training in, in two or three weeks. But there are a few hurdles to be passed before um that happens because there are so many concerns uh, from players, from from medical staff, from doctors, from coaches, from managers as, as to whether they should start doing that. And everybody's seen the Bundesliga return, which is great. But, you know, the UK is in a very different place in terms of where it is at with this virus. So it may be a little longer before um, before they return to normal kind of training. But um, But it's a positive step. Just explain what they've been doing this week because all eyes were on them, weren't they, last Monday when they became one of the first clubs to have this drive-through testing. Yes, absolutely. And Wolves and, and Foson have um, have been at the forefront of, of, um, of a lot of aspects during during the past few weeks. I think, I think they've run things very well. And yeah, they were the first uh, club to do um, kind of drive-through testing at, at Compton Park. So that was just for staff initially. And uh, this kind of, you know, invasive and, and uncomfortable but but necessary um, coronavirus test. It's a swab in either back of the throat or up the nose. Um, so all the, all the staff did that last week. I think the players did theirs, I think, at the weekend. So they're just waiting for the results back from that at the moment. And as far as training goes, yes, I mean, there's a, a couple of videos done around on social media if people want to try and, you know, see it for themselves. But to kind of give a picture, they've been driving in on, on their own. Uh, in their training kit, they've been bringing their own footballs and they've been going one at a time out onto a pitch with uh, a, a coaching staff member 20 or 30 yards away um, 
shouting orders, giving instructions, and for one hour at a time, they've been making use of a pitch each. So they've been going in in, in staggered sessions throughout the day. They've got four pitches in use there, so it's four at a time. Um, very little contact or interaction with, with other people, but um, good to get out on the grass and, and start picking that fitness up. I mean, anyone who kind of saw bits of the Bundesliga at the weekend will know that players aren't going to be in tip-top condition after eight weeks of no training. So, so yeah, important to get that started again. And, um, yeah, Compton very much closed for indoors. I mean, they can go in if they want to use the toilet, but but otherwise it's all outdoors. They drive there, they park um, quite far away, the cars are park, parked far away from each other. It's all very managed and it's all done very well. Um, and yeah, like I said, a, a very small step to try and get back to normal. I'm quite mesmerised by the video that Wolves put on their Twitter feed, the YouTube yeah. video of, of players driving into the car park, getting out the car, getting a ball out, bouncing it as they walked in. There wasn't a lot of action, but it was quite fascinating to watch. Just indicative of these extraordinary times that we're in, that mm. there was a bit of a hello from Connor Cody, but the rest, it was all very sort of calm sedate no contact with anyone no obviously no high fives no banter no nothing it was just players arriving individually walking in stretching on the pitch it was uh it's, it's strange yeah, isn't man. it you just stop, still can't quite believe what's happened over the last couple of months since they last kicked a ball no and the fact the fact is well yeah the, the Bundesliga coming back and the scenes that we saw there just kind of added to the eeriness and the surrealness of the, of the situation um, and something we're going to have to get used to because you know there's going to be no fans at football games for for a very long time, and it still remains to be seen as to whether the Premier League can can restart. You know we've seen the, we've seen the Scottish League go today, Celtic crowned champions. Uh, League Two went last week. League One they're trying, but that looks like a very difficult situation to try and resolve. So um, not many leagues left to restart that will restart. I think they're looking at Spain and Italy as as a couple that might, um, and I think they'll be. They'll be um, a much better kind of um, um, scout party, if you will, than than the Bundesliga because Italy and Spain have been through uh, similar situations to the UK in terms of um, the virus and how many cases they've had and whatnot. You know, Germany, not many deaths there compared to here or cases, so they've done things a bit differently. So um, interesting to see what happens with them um, with Italy and Spain in the next few weeks, and, and hopefully we follow suit here. Yeah, I watched the. Um Dortmund Schalke game on Saturday, which it was fascinating seeing players arriving and keeping their distances and having masks on, substitutes spread out. And I saw a lot of reaction on social media, of course, a lot of people saying, well, proof that football without fans is nothing and it, it's terrible and it shouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, the clubs aren't choosing to exclude fans. No one's ever suggesting, hey, do you know what we could do without fans? Let's just crack on. It is a step towards trying to get football back at some stage isn't it and it's a case of watching Germany hoping that there's no adverse reaction in terms of players becoming infected and passing it on and the infection rate going up again and and just hoping that this country is just a few weeks behind them in that regard because it's not just about the atmosphere because we know that's going to suffer for quite, quite some time it's not about excluding fans it's about saving clubs ultimately yes and it, yeah. it's not about premier league clubs having millions of pounds in the bank and tv deals it's not just about that it's about actually saving football clubs so that fans have actually got clubs to watch when they come back because the idea that they could go on for many more months without any kind of income they're not all going to be able to survive that it's a huge concern so I guess a lot of us were watching thinking a lot of people are dependent on football for their livelihoods and not just people at clubs but you know we all know people who work at football there's so much more to it that it did offer a beacon of hope yeah you, uh, I agree with everything you said absolutely spot on and it's it's not ideal but it's better than nothing and if if the choice was no football for the rest of the year and we only start again when fans are allowed which might be 2021 or football now albeit with no fans you've got you have to take that option of course you do it's as you say there's there's the survival of the sport as we know it at stake here with with the amount of money involved and like you say the income that clubs have been will be losing out on if matches aren't played so yes i, I don't like it um, I've said said to you a few times that Olympiacos game was just such an unfulfilling experience. And if if Wolves somehow got to the Europa League final and won it without fans, it would it just 
it sort of have a bit of an asterisk by it for me, you know. Um, it just, it just, it just would not be the same. It wouldn't be half as enjoyable for anybody. But if the alternative is nothing, and the alternative is clubs going to the wall, then there's no argument, is there really? And in terms of matches being played at Molyneux, this time last week we were expecting football to come back at neutral venues, but that seems to have gone by the wayside. Bearing in mind there are so many clubs, the likes of. Uh, Brighton, for example, who are saying, no, 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 we want our own dimensions. We want to sleep in our own beds. We want X, Y, and Z. So a lot of self-interest there. They admit that, but that's that's gone away. Do we know what Wolves' views were on that or, or whether it would bother them? Were there any concerns that Wolves may come, Wolves fans may come to Molyneux and, um, and cause any kind of, not unrest, but of course, they don't want any fans at all outside of grounds, do they? No, of course not. I, I don't think there are any specific concerns from Wolves that, that fans would turn up. I mean, there are issues with Molyneux in that there are a couple of vantage points where you can stand and, and watch a bit of the game so for people who don't know the ramp that goes up the Billy Wright stands up towards the South Bank you know you could you could you could perch there and watch as people will know or um, over the other side of the corner up, up on on the hill that the edges towards the subway so they but but that that is potentially quite an easy thing to to cut out right with with barriers and and police in place but the police will be reluctant to um um offer up too many resources um for for a football match where there's where there there are no fans and there are issues there with funding who who funds that and i saw the um chief constable of westminster's police dave thompson was speaking to the express and star last week and said there's still quite a lot to do before they feel comfortable in kind of allowing matches to happen. Um, and there's a lot of safety issues that need to uh, come to pass first. Uh, I'll just read a couple of quotes here from Thompson, who said, uh, people are at home, they would like to see the sport, we all understand that. Um, it's a complex issue, we can't do things which are going to cause health issues. It's not just playing games behind closed doors, it's the facts people want to congregate. We may have some very important fixtures that take place, affecting promotional relegation, etc., um, my view is there are a lot of things to overcome, not just safety issue with players and staff coming together with a testing regime. Um, there is a lot to do before we can say we'll be safe from a public health perspective. So, yeah, it's not just as simple as saying let's put a match on and let the players play. There, there's there's a lot of issues to think about about outside the ground and um, it doesn't sound like they're, they're ready to give the green light on that front either. Because mm, this bubbled up in Liverpool, didn't it? Because mm. they obviously want the season to finish desperately. They don't want to be an asterisk champion as Celtic are, although I think they'd definitely take that over any null and voiding. So, uh, But the mayor of Liverpool said he didn't think it was going to be right because he was concerned that fans would show up at Anfield. And that uh, would be a public health issue, bearing in mind they're unlikely to be two metres apart. And the club were fuming and straight away issued a statement, totally dismissing those suggestions. But I guess if you are the local police and um, and you're concerned about public health and it's your job to look after public health, how can you guarantee that fans aren't going to show up? You can have fans groups say, no, 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 we definitely won't. But there's there's no accounting for individuals, is there, and groups of them? You, you can't guarantee, of course you can't. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to think football fans probably deserve a bit more more credit but equally there are, there's always the scope for a few idiots to turn up right so I don't see how you can offer any guarantees that that, that won't happen um, and that would be the worst case scenario wouldn't it for a couple of hundred fans to turn up at a ground and, and police are there and no PPE and whatnot how do you stop that from happening so that's a that's a that's a risk I guess that they might have to kind of take um, because otherwise how else are you going to get football matches played? Yeah, so it's a case of liaising with fans groups. That's the plan. That's what they're doing at the I moment. I think so. And they'll have to be and make very... sure that everyone understands it's in in fans' yeah. own interest not to show up at grounds. Tempting though it would be for all of us. There'll be some very strong messages put out by the clubs, basically saying, you know, if you turn up, then you're you're at risk of this whole thing falling down and, and us not playing matches. And Wolves are in such a good position um, to achieve something as and when football resumes. That I'd like to think that that fans. Um, Given the approach that the club has taken as well throughout all this and been so health and safety conscious during the coronavirus epidemic, that um, I think I think the fans would follow suit and it would just take a couple of, of well-voiced, well-worded messages um, to get that across.
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had a tweet from Matt Lewis. This is one of those that were um, sent through to us last week. So thanks to everybody who did. We should get a chance for a few more. Uh, but on this matter of behind closed doors games, Matt asked, could they play pre-recorded crowd music in the stadiums as background to create some sort of atmosphere? So we know players don't like playing behind closed doors, but do you think that's completely out of the question? It's, I, think it's, I think it's a good idea. I, I, I think clubs will be looking into it and possibility of you know fake crowd noise or goal music or things like that you know i don't see why not really um it's still going to be broadcast to millions of people it's still an event it's still entertainment i think i think the club will will look at ways of doing that they've been um they've been quite creative in the past when it comes to kind of pre-match entertainment and things like that so yeah i i i i agree with that i think a bit of crowd noise would um would help kev baker asks if as looks likely games are played behind closed doors and not underestimating the facts of uh, the effect of fans at times. Do you think Wolves' generally patient style of play may be better suited to it and less affected by having no supporters present than some other teams who maybe kept referring to some reliant really on, on the crowd getting them up? I would say it wouldn't make a huge amount of difference to Wolves. I mean, they're pretty blistering on the on the counter-attack, right? And like, and like sitting in deep. And I mean, the performance against Olympiacos wasn't great. I guess that's the only evidence we've got to go on, right? And they were they were sort of lacking in energy and urgency that day particularly in the first half I think they struggled to come to terms with the atmosphere but it'll just it'll take a bit of getting used to but I think after one or two games you won't notice the difference in in teams team's style of play Jacob Colick asks if this season gets voided ultimately say say this process doesn't work out losing Wolves and other clubs millions in TV revenue would Wolves be able to cope better than most yeah, I think um, obviously they're primed to take a hit now, as as all clubs are, and kind of planning for worst case scenarios, and it'll have a massive impact on the transfer window. That's that's for sure. You know, we won't see massive fees being spent by any club really, um, let alone Wolves, who don't really do that anyway in terms of kind of massive, you know, thirty, forty million him and as a side fees. So, but I think yeah, in in general, you've got to say the the clubs that are best run and financially stable. And looking to the long term, instead of instead of a one year kind of massive uh, spending splurge, um, dependent on the position that follows. You know, Wolves aren't aren't really in in that kind of league. So, you look you look at Villa. You know, spending above their means really to try and stay in this league. That could be a massive concern for them. You look at somewhere on the opposite end of the scale, like Norwich, who are who have barely spent any money this season, you know, on purpose because they see it as a kind of a two, three year plan to cement themselves in the Premier League. And if they get relegated, so be it, they'll come back stronger. So they haven't spent a lot of money. So, but Wolves, although they've spent a lot in the past couple of years, aren't really in that, that bracket of having overspent, um, certainly not up of their means. So yes, the best run clubs will benefit and, and hopefully Wolves should be one of those. Neil Simpson asks, is there any information about refunds for tickets purchased for games that will at best only go ahead behind closed doors? Because this is something that Everton have done, isn't it? They've refunded their remaining five home game ticket prices. I'm sure they'll do that as soon as official announcements are made. And when when if football returns behind closed doors, then of course, I, I've absolutely no doubt Wolves will do that. This week, interesting to see on social media somewhere, there was a, a picture of a Zoom chat amongst the players and Nuno. I couldn't help but notice, I promise I'm not being a giant perv, but a pedence... <laughs> Was taking a rather casual, a casual approach to the Zoom chat. He uh, he, he didn't bother putting a T-shirt on for the occasion. What, what was this Zoom chat? Was this one of the team sort of regular catch-ups? Was it? From all I don't know. It, it, it looked it looked like some kind of other kind of web chat. Really, I don't want to kind of cast dispersions <laughs> on 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 poor Pedence. But yeah, he was. Maybe um, he just come from another one. <laughs> he um. I'm surprised he took a picture of himself and put it out actually. But um, yeah, for some anyone hasn't seen it yet, he's got his top off. He's got his hands in a very awkward position. And um, <laughs> I'd say bloke on sofa pose personally, which is kind of where you are. But I can see your hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bizarre. No, um, I, th- I think that was an old picture actually. I think taken from um, it might be from last week. But yeah, they they, they did regular uh, Zoom meetings while. Um, while they're off, Nuno kind of chaired them and, and had some of his backroom staff in there. And um, <laughs> yeah, but if anyone hasn't seen it, it's worth having a look at Pedence in action and figuring out what he was up to. Yeah, is Nuno back? By the way, I saw that yeah, video. I didn't see yeah, him on it. He, was, he is. He was back. He's been back ten days, I think. I think he was back last Thursday. 
an issue that Nuno won't have wanted to deal with recently and since our last podcast was the Morgan Gibbs-White situation. He was caught on a Snapchat video very, very briefly at a London party, so breaking lockdown rules. Just explain what the club's stance has been on this. They haven't issued a statement as such, but you've spoken to them. Yeah, no statement. Not not expecting one. Um, Morgan hasn't said anything yet either. And the club haven't kind of said, you know, you need to make a statement. We may hear from him at some point. I'm sure we will in, in the future. We'll, we'll hear his opinion on it. And he may put something on Instagram if he wants to. But it's been a few days now he hasn't. I think that's a sensible thing to do. I think, the well, the example given to me was uh, Jack Grealish from a few weeks ago, who I don't know if you remember, Jackie, the apology that mm. he gave. And it was didn't come across as heartfelt. And it seemed like, it was sort of like a hostage video, really. Like the club had said, you know, you've got to do this this apology. And it made things worse. And everyone just thought he looked like a bit of an idiot. So although Gibbs White is, you know, a smart young lad, um, despite what's happened last week, um, I'm sure he could give a heartfelt apology, and I know he, I know he has been very apologetic and, and feels bad about the situation. Um, there's there's a there's a case of saying no apology is good enough, right, for some people. So it might make the situation worse. But um, the club's stance in general, obviously, very disappointed. First and foremost, in the actions of someone from the Wolves family. You know, it's easy to forget he's already been at Wolves for twelve years. You know, he was there when he was eight years old. Uh, he's 20 now and he's he's part of the family and he knows everybody inside out. They all know him and he's he's, he's let them down, hasn't he? And definite disappointment from Nuno, from Fosun, I'm sure from teammates as well. Um, So where do you go from here? I mean, for a start, he wasn't allowed at training last week. He was there on Monday and he was there on Tuesday morning and then the story broke in the Daily Mail uh, later that morning and he was told not to come in for the rest of the week. So first and foremost, A, that's a punishment, but B, it's also um, a health issue because he'd been mixing with other people and, and could have contracted the virus. Um, Nuno spoke to him on Tuesday afternoon and obviously would have expressed his disappointment. But also, um, I saw quite a lot of fans calling for him to be sacked. And that was, uh, I, when I first saw the news come out, I was like, for God's sake, that is such an idiotic thing to do. I can't, I can't believe you've done that. Um, but then the comments kind of came in and people were calling calling for his head really and, and saying he should be sacked and I was just like hang on like you can't take it that far yes he needs to be punished yes he needs to grow up and yes he needs to use this as a lesson and a pivotal moment um, in his Wolves journey to um, to improve from here because his performances on the pitch have, 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 have not been great over the past 12 months um, but People saying just get out of our club and you know we, we will not tolerate this kind of behaviour. Of course you can't tolerate this kind of behaviour, but I don't think he should be sacked. And Wolves take the same approach. You know they're not going to throw him in front of the bus. You know he'll be punished financially. I would imagine um, either a straight fine or perhaps a, a donation to the NHS or charity, something like that. Um, he'll take his punishment and he'll move on. And Nuno will not look at it kindly, and he'll want to see a reaction from the player first and foremost. And it'll be really interesting to see when we do start again um, if we see a bit of an upturn in his performances because that's been that's been the main problem with him over the past eighteen months. You know, since those games against um, Spurs and Chelsea and Newcastle and others where he did really well for a month or two, he's completely um, flatlined since then. And if he was playing really well week after week, this would be less of an issue. As stupid as that sounds, but there is a perception amongst the fan base that he thinks he's made it. And you see kind of flashy Instagram posts, really. And I think there's a general consensus that, yes, this this kid thinks he's made it. He's in the first team at Wolves and, and, he's, and he's good enough. But the top, top, top players, as we know, and as anyone who's seen um, the last dance, you know, over the past few weeks, you know, what it takes to get to the very, very top is, is 100% professionalism, 24-7. And he needs to understand he's representing the club 24-7. And he'll be shocked, I'm sure. He'll, he'll be shocked that the story came out and he'll be shocked at the reaction. But he needs needs to wise up. And if you're a Premier League footballer, England under-21s, potential future England international, then this is this is minor. This is nothing, really. The reaction he got, he didn't get much national news on it, did he? Compared to some of the others we've seen, like Carl Walker in the last few weeks. 
This is nothing. So he's got to um, he's got to wise up and, and realize where he is, how privileged he is, and he's got to use this as um, as a turning point for definitely. Because you put on Twitter that well, he's only twenty years of age, and you got quite a strong reaction from fans who went, "Hang <laughs> yeah. on a minute, he's twenty, but you know he's ten months younger than Ruben Vinagra. Uh, Neves made his Champions League debut at seventeen. Erling Haaland six months younger than him. I mean." You're saying it needs to be a wake-up call for him. Do you get the impression that it will be, that he will want to use this to his advantage and maybe kickstart his Wolves career? Because he hasn't really ignited it as yet, has he, in terms of the potential? And I've spoken to his England under-17s coach who really, really believes he's a special talent. I think it goes one of two ways. I think either he uses it as motivation or he'll look at the comments, he'll look at the derision, and he'll go, well, you know, sod you, um, you're wrong. I didn't really do anything too wrong, so why are you saying that? And have a kind of um, a spoilt brat attitude. It can go one of either two ways, really. From what I know of him, a really nice lad with a, with a, good, with a good upbringing. I mean, here in, here in Stafford, which is where I am, and um, Wolves have thought the world of him, you know, through his upbringing. Um, through the academy, skipping age groups, skipping the under-23s. You know, he's been their shining light and they are desperate for him to succeed. And that's an issue, you know. When you talk about, oh, Fosun, this isn't Fosun's, um, this isn't Fosun's core values, this isn't Nuno's core values. Well, they're desperate to have an academy player as a, as a shining light in the first team and they will give him every opportunity to do that. Um, I don't think comments made um, nationally helped when he really burst onto the scene. Danny Murphy compared him to Cesc Fabregas and said he could be in the England squad very soon. I don't think that was helpful. And yes, you can just say, okay, deal with it, you know, block it out and continue with your rise. But when you're a kid and you're earning a hell of a lot of money and you're buying cars that are very expensive and whatever, it's 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 easy it's easy to kind of let it go to your head, really. And there's um, those comments. I remember, but I remember thinking at the time, Jackie, that those comments were a bit irresponsible, to be honest. And you know, Danny Murphy's probably seen this kid twice, and then he goes on national TV to call him as the next superstar. But I guess you you must see that a lot firsthand, right? With you with your presenting duties, it must. I know it's difficult, isn't it, to kind of sum up your opinions on a player in in a couple of minutes. But um, yeah, what's your kind of yeah? I mean, we do it a lot. I've done a lot of international football, and of course, somebody will pop up, and you go, "Who's this kid? Wow, he could be the next big thing!" And you're genuinely excited. But more to the point, you're in a, a green room, and you're seeing clips of this lad and that player and this player and you haven't seen the full game of course because you can't watch six seven eight games simultaneously particularly on a highlights night and um, so you are presented with clips or a great finish and what have you and then you pair that with or combine it with what you've heard or or what you've maybe read or you do a quick google search and what have you and the pundits want to say something punchy they want to have an opinion they can't just go oh, that's a great finish and hopefully he's one for the future. You know, they feel that they want to say something a bit more significant, which you can understand from their point of view. But of course, it does have ramifications because that one person they've picked out, in this case, in a positive way, and they meant it in a positive way from their yeah, perspective. Course, yeah. They're not thinking, oh, this could have a, a negative effect. But of course, we've seen it happen the other way as well when somebody's absolutely slated for not picking somebody up or for for a mistake they've made. And that can have a really negative effect on the player as well. And when it's ex-players themselves, they know about that. They, they take it on the chin. They say, well, it's my job to critique. But yeah, there are often consequences. And particularly when it's a younger player, it can have, um, it can have, can have an effect on expectations on them, even if they themselves don't necessarily change but it really will be interesting to see because there's so much goodwill towards him and a lot of people feel let down by this because they're just desperate for him to do well aren't they people really want to have one of their own they want to have him as a you know world champion in his age group and a, a local lad from Stafford and they want to see him come through we love the the Portuguese superstars and and the players from all over Europe etc but it'd be nothing better than to see Morgan Gibbs White come through really realize his potential and yeah, have his name on the back of all the fans' shirts, and you just hope that happens in the next season or so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the tide has the tide has turned, though. I think I think the general consensus amongst fans is he's been an idiot, and we don't really we don't really want or need that in our squad. And what I would say is is there are a hell of a lot of role models around him at the, at the club. Um, you know, you mentioned sort of like Neves, 
what he's done in his young career and the professionalism that, that he showed. And obviously, Connor Cody and Martinho, you know, still um, still fits a fiddle after all these years. And by all accounts, one of the most professional players they've seen at Wolves in, in recent times. So, and Nuno as well. I think Nuno will be the right manager to guide him to guide him through this. And people see Nuno as this kind of um, disciplinarian, which he is, and a bit moody. And I think they kind of, they have a perception of him that when something like this happens, then... Oh, he'll just oh no. Well, we don't want him. Let's get rid of him. Well, no, because Nuno spent three years trying to trying to nurture this kid, and he's stuck with him. By the way, even when he's not been performing, this is a hard squad to get into. They've got seventeen or eighteen senior players. It's, it's an exclusive club, right? And Gibbs White is in that, and he's in it on merit, you know, according to Nuno. So, I think we've got to realise that. Um, however, on the flip side, he is ruthless, and we've seen the likes of Costa. Uh, Cavalero, Douglas, Afobi, really, really talented players who are, who are all all too good for the championship in my mind. And he said, no, you know, we're going to move on without you. Very ruthless. So Gibbs White must know that he hasn't got many chances with this guy. Um, I think he will get another chance. They won't they won't bomb him out because of this, but he has to show the right attitude um, in the coming weeks. It'll help, by the way, that there's no fans at games when they do start again because... He doesn't have to run that gauntlet of getting maybe maybe a few boos when he comes on as a sub or whatnot. So hopefully, you know, I really hope that he turns it round and um, shows the undoubted potential that he's got because I know we haven't seen a lot of it, but it is there. It really is. Yeah, let's hope so. That would be brilliant. Bryce Enebakari talking about potential and talent that didn't come to fruition at Wolves. It only seems like five minutes since he was missing all those one-on-ones at Man City in the cup, wasn't it, in uh, Nuno's first season. But he's gone. He's gone, yeah. Not a big surprise. I mean, he was out of contract uh, this summer, so he's left by mutual consent. But yeah, it's a shame. Again, an example to Gibbs White of if you don't get your act together, you'll be off. And I've got to say, you know, it might not have been seen by by too many fans, but the the, the potential that Bright had was was quite something. Um, I remember first seeing him the first summer I became Wolves reporter was um, 2015, and drove trotted along to France to go and watch some pre-season training under Kenny Jacket. This was uh, Steve Morgan was still the owner, and they had a bit of a striker shortage at the time, so it was Dicko, a phobie. Bright, Bright was there, and he must have only been seventeen at the time. And physically, I mean, in terms of um, his physical stature and his speed and his strength, I mean, he he already he was already at their level, and he looked a decent player as well. And I remember th- th- there were a lot of high hopes for him at that time. Um, and he did he did he did some special special things in checker trade games and preseason friendlies and, and under twenty three games. I remember he scored a wonder goal at Doncaster away in a friendly, uh, pre-season friendly. It might have been that summer, actually, where he took on about three players and stuck it in the corner. And then there was another one at Crewe in a checker trade game. He, he just used to skip past players for fun. But an issue with Bright is that he came over from Nigeria when he was when he was 15, and he hasn't really got that um, support base behind him. So as far as I'm aware, he came over on his own. I think he's... I might be wrong. I think his dad was in Germany, and you know, wolves. Wolves obviously, this is nothing new for them. They obviously get players over on their own, young players, and and they get put with kind of families and parents. Um, so you know that happened. But Bright's a bit more of a sort of an individual. Um, I'd call him a maverick on and off the pitch. Um, I remember used to turn up at Compton and see him kind of walking away from Compton Park with like his rucksack on his shoulders, and he just looked like a little little lost boy, really. So they were always reluctant to send him on loan, which would be the obvious thing to do for a youngster um, to get first team experience. But they they were worried about about um, about him being out there on his own. And if you look at his loans, he was terrible at Kilmarnock. He was terrible at Wigan. Where he did well was Coventry, where he wasn't far from home, um, and he was brilliant there. Mark Robbins waxed lyrical about him week after week. Said he's far too good for this league. This is in League One. And he scored a couple of brilliant goals. Um, he tore Sunderland apart at the Stadium of Light to the extent where I had loads of mentions on my timeline this week saying, let's get him signed up at Sunderland. You know, they still remember his performance. So um, it didn't just didn't happen for him at Wolves at senior level. The Man City game you mentioned was a huge one. I mean, he could have scored a couple of goals that night and should have done. But um, it's a shame. 
he played a small part in the championship promotion season. He, he played at the start there when Cavalera was suspended. People might remember the start of Nuno's reign and did well. And Nuno liked him, but he just didn't have that end product. He had skill, he had movement, he had creativity, but the end product wasn't there. The goals and assists just weren't there. Um, it might have happened given a run in the team, but um, but no, Wolves moved on without him. So um, I, I hope he does well. I really do. It's not the best time to be without a club either, is it, at the moment, with so many other no. clubs releasing he players sure due to release a lot of players? No, he won't be short of offers. I think he's had bad advice as well, Jackie, and the last I kind of heard of him was in January when Birmingham moved in for him on transfer deadline day and, and he decided not to go, which is just stupid. And Wolves, I remember, were Why was perplexed. that? Was it just purely his own decision? I mean, why It was, yeah, I don't know the reasons football? why, but Wolves were perplexed and annoyed that he, that he chose not to go. Um, basically, just wasn't going to be playing at all. He's too old for the under-23s now. You know, they, they didn't want him in the under twenty three. So he chose to do nothing for six months. And wow. lo and behold, now he's, here he is without a club. So yeah, he, he needs some guidance. But, um, but the talent is certainly there. Well, the talent is there with Raul Jimenez as well. And we don't really want to be talking about this every week. But there seem to be a lot of links. And just as I left the kitchen to come to the lounge to talk about this, my Man United supported husband said, don't forget Raul Jimenez is coming to United. And I was like, Give over. And then talking to you, it seems as though there are a few words coming out here and there from family members and what have you. And we know he's answered questions on it in the past. And I've always put that to bed going, well, if he's asked about it, of course he's going to answer. But is he agitating for a move? I don't like that this is a weekly issue now. So um, I mentioned last week, we've got a big piece on Jimenez coming up on The Athletic. And I said it was going to be last week for anyone who remembers. It's actually going to be um, Tuesday. So today, if you're listening on Tuesday. And his cousin talks a bit in that about um, Real Madrid and um, his dad's been quoted today as a report in Sport Witness about um, links with big clubs. We've seen this quite a lot in the last few weeks. Uh, Man United, that's a link that's been doing the rounds since January. Um, we've seen Jimenez asked, would he like to move to Barcelona or Real Madrid? And of course he said, you know, well, who could turn that down, basically? Um so his dad has been quoted uh, back home in Mexico, I think, although his dad, I think, lives over here, but quoted back home in Mexico, has said, uh, Raul has always said um, it's something very cool um, to hear clubs like United and Juventus are, are keen. He's very happy at Wolves, hopefully getting in positions for Champions League and the Europa League. Always for him, all of that will be very gratifying, very cool to hear those comments. Um, but right now it's rumours, God willing, the league resumes uh, next month and that's where we're at. Um, the rest, as in uh, transfers, there is nothing. He's only commented on what he sees that they publish, but there is nothing at the moment. Later, if there is something, it will be seen. But now, yes, there are mere speculation and rumours. Um, and he suggests that bids will come in as a consequence of his form for Wolves. Uh, bids are fine and you expect bids because he's been an exceptional centre forward and one of the most complete all-round traditional number nines at top level European football this season you've got to say um, I think the thing that worries me with Jimenez is he's at an age I think he's 29 now where if Wolves wanted to um, make the most of their investment and you can't forget that Fosun are an investment firm if they want to get the most out of their investment um, now or maybe next year at the latest is the time to do it because um, yeah, he's 29 now. And if you're going to um, sell him for more than you paid for him, this year will be the year. That would be my only concern. However, he's so integral to the way Wolves play that it will be a very risky move. Um, you know, we've seen issues with Catroni earlier this season. You know, it's not just as simple as going out and buying another striker. So, um, yeah, I'd be very worried if they sold him. However... As far as I'm aware, there is nothing in the pipeline at the moment. Yeah, nothing concrete, but he doesn't need to answer those questions. We know how this business works, and when he's asked about them, you could say he's just answering questions, but he doesn't need to answer them. His dad no. doesn't need to be making these no. No, just uh, comments. So, <clears throat> yeah, hey-ho, we shall see. Hopefully he will stay for rather longer. Now, um, we had a lot of lovely feedback, by the way, from our podcast last week, didn't we? I mean, we loved it, you and I. If, if nobody had listened to oh, it, we'd have had a great time. If nobody commented <laughs> on it, well, we had a great week. Uh, but Mickey Stowell and all his stories and, uh, you know, nicking golden boots from Mark McGee's house and all the rest of it. 
<laughs> and being made cups of tea in the bath by uh, by Matty Murray. It's brilliant stories. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, he's, he's such great value, and I've yeah, I've never really heard him being being interviewed before. But um, we didn't even have to ask him any questions. We we we, we could have just pressed record and said, Mickey, do you just want to chat for an hour, and then <laughs> you go off from one tangent to another. He was brilliant, and it seemed it seemed like he really enjoyed it as well, which is which is great. So. Um, no, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. Anyone who grew up through that era, or even if he didn't, there's just some great stories of what life was like at Wolves in the 90s. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, you didn't have to be standing behind him um, and chanting, we've got Mickey Mickey style in a goal in a goal to appreciate what he was like. Because if you just hear that podcast and you realise um, yeah. you realise what a great time it was from the banter side of things amongst the players, but perhaps there are also a few indications as to why Wolves didn't manage to get out that division in that entire time that he was <laughs> hey, there. They had a good time, it did though, occur didn't to they? Me. That's all that matters. But they had a good time, as long as they had a good time. Um, and if you want to listen back to the Mickey Style podcast, then you can, of course, from The Athletic app. You can subscribe to The Athletic, of course, going to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod for uh, 90 days of um, well, free listening if you want to listen without adverts or of course reading uh, Tim's articles and you can cancel at any time but also on there Connor Cody's podcast which was hugely popular Connor just being Connor being entirely himself the Steve Morgan pod as well former Wolves owner explaining for the first time really why he left and and what it was like being at the club and why he took over etc uh, Stevie Frogger was brilliant Mickey Stowell last week, John Goff the week before Goff, as well. Yeah, yeah. So do have a listen back to some of the old podcasts while you're waiting for football to resume. But you haven't been waiting for football to resume, Tim. You've been busy. Diogo Jota you spoke to this week. He loves a computer game, doesn't he? I was learning a lot about the difference between FIFA and Football Manager. I had absolutely no idea before, <laughs> as you know. I've oh, never just... played one of these. <laughs> it's not exactly yeah, they're, battleships they're, they're... on a Commodore 64, is it? <laughs> No, he loves a computer game. I, I forgot to ask him about sensible soccer. Do you ever used to play that? I wonder What's if you used to play that. Oh, do you know Never what? It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, no. So like probably university FIFA. when you play that in your pram. <laughs> <laughs> he um, he plays FIFA a lot. So he won that tournament, the Premier League tournament, a couple of weeks ago. And I know he plays football manager because he he brings it up now and again. And I'm a football manager nut as well. I play a lot of it in my spare time. Do you? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's honestly, it's brilliant. You just try and manage Wolves to the to the Champions League. It's great. So um, we, we did an interview um, specifically on that on that issue. So yeah, we had a nice little Zoom chat. It was good fun. And he was telling me all about how he likes to take non-league clubs up the ranks and win the Champions League with Telford and stuff like that. So I, t- I tell you what was interesting, though, is that he said he's got a greater appreciation for Nuno's job because there's so much for him to do on a computer game. And of course, that's 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 um, there's far more to do on, in real life. And he said he's got a real appreciation for uh, for delegating, he said. You can see why the assistant manager does all the boring jobs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah, he was great. I really, really enjoyed speaking to him. But um, but yeah, right. no, he's um, he's got a great attitude and he loves. Lot, again, it sounds silly, but in football manager, he brings teams up from from lower leagues and whatever uh, with a, like a long term project. And I said to him, "That's sort of like you at Wolves, isn't it?" And he said, "Yeah, he didn't, didn't really, never really thought about it like that before." But you know, he wanted to be part of a of a project at Wolves as well and be part of it in its infancy and and see it through. So he's not one that's that's angling for a move. And um, yeah, definitely at the top end of the more professional players that Wolves have got. Triori, another one who, who loves his football, described as professional, driven and humble. And he did a piece with Tony Pulis on it. Really interesting in the line he said, he cannot speak higher of a player I've ever worked with. Mm. Which is interesting. You think Tony Pulis in his career, it's all relevant oh, yeah. in terms of talent. But in terms of everything about him and his attitude, he can't speak higher of any other player than Adama Triori, which I absolutely love to hear because you look at the guy, physically he's got everything, talent, skill, he's got everything. But when you hear that he's humble and driven and extremely hardworking, it is very, very heartening. Well, that's what that's what Pulis said and, and he was delighted to, to talk about him actually and it, it was lovely to, to hear some of his memories. Okay, you ready for a few quickfire tweets? Yes. Our Royty, I know you love one on the stadium. You love that, don't you? You love being asked oh, about the stadium. stadium. Adrian Till, I think the phrase remodelling or maybe even reprofiling the Steve Ball stand has been used by Tim on occasion. What do you understand that to mean? That's a good question. So um, there, are a, there are quite a few hundred seats at Molyneux where you can't actually see anything. They've got restricted views because of like the a roof might be overhanging. So like the roof of the Steve Ball overhangs in front of the corner of the North Bank. 
So there's often hundreds of empty seats up there. Things like that. I, I don't think it's as simple as just chopping a bit of the roof off, but things like that. Um, bringing the um, stand closer to the pitch would be another one. Um, it's, traditionally, it's been so far away, hasn't it, ever since it was built back in 1979. And maybe things like the executive boxes as well. I mean, you can't sit outside there. Um, the steeple executive boxes, they're terrible. Having sat in them, they are awful. Um, if the sun shines, you can't see the pitch. Um, you can't hear the crowd because it's um, it's it's all um, completely shut in. So th- things like that um, in terms of offering more executive seats and maybe adding in more rows as well to the steeple stand somewhere. So um, that's what I mean in terms of, yeah, reprofiling. Aidan Boyle, who would you say is the most underrated player in the first team? I'd say Roman Saiz, he says. He was an absolute workhorse in midfield with Neves often receiving the credit. And then when Bolly was out, the versatility showed to step back into a defensive role. He's been outstanding. We have touched on this before, and certainly that was that was my vote. But do you have another player? But he's one of those where you get thousands and thousands of people saying how he's underrated. Which means that he's not anymore because everyone's everyone's saying how good he is. So how about um, Jimenez? But I don't understand how he's underrated. Totally. I think Maybe I think that's more more that, nationally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always think um, I always think Cody doesn't get the um, credit he deserves for his defensive abilities. And I think Patricia maybe a little bit. He's had a fantastic season, perhaps not recognised maybe quite as much as as he should have. But they're all they're all lauded um, pretty well by Wolves fans. Let's be honest. Oh, just while we've been on air, there's been uh, breaking news from Wolves. We've exercised an option in John Ruddy's contract to keep him at the club for 2020, 2021. That's when's that next season? What year are we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is next season. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it was the end of this season, but wow. no, it's not. Oh, I totally lost. What day is it? It's you. You're here, so it must be Monday. A number of Wolves Academy players have also earned new deals while we wish those leaving the club the best for the future. Actual breaking news, which won't be to you by the time you listen to this pod, by the way, but it is just for us at the moment. So we always knew it was in the club's favour that John Ruddy would have the option to stay. It was just a case of whether he really wanted to, given his age and whether he wanted to go elsewhere but your thoughts on that it, I mean it, it was in the club's hands if Rudy had kicked up a fuss and said uh, he, he wanted to leave and we know he's not that kind of guy then it, it might have been different I know the club have been looking at keepers and they've had a kind of a list of potential keepers I mean who wouldn't you know you've got to keep out of contract so they, they've been looking elsewhere and they've probably come to a de- well they have come to a decision where um He's a very good and able number two. He's very important in the dressing room. And I guess the dilemma for Nuno was, you know, does he want a number two who's going to be very much that? Or does he want someone who's really going to push Patricio for the number one spot? And it seems like they've gone for the former. Um, Although after Benikafobi got sold a couple of years ago, uh, 10 days after signing him, you know, we can't rule out that they might just be... um, giving him a contract so they can sell him on for a fee. But um, but no, I'm not suggesting that at this stage. Um, I think he's the ideal backup keeper, to be honest. I really do. Because he didn't seem to be too happy at first when uh, Rui mm. Patricio was signed. And I remember him doing some punditry and he was asked about it. He was saying how hard it was. And then once he was given a new contract, that all went yes. away. I mean, I, I don't want to be cynical and it's completely understandable at his age. But do you think being given a hefty contract, as presumably he must have been done at his age, which I believe he's 33 now, um, does kind of, you know, oil the wheels of positivity, even though we yeah. know he's a top professional as well. Absolutely. Same in any There's nothing wrong with that, if, is there? If you've got a decent pay rise and, and you're coming to the end of your career, like you say, yeah, why, why wouldn't you? And um, I don't think with, with Ruddy there's any other Premier League club that could guarantee him first-team football. So would he want to drop down oh, He could play every week in the Championship, though, couldn't he? Yeah. Easily. He could, but for what percentage of, of the wage he's earning now? And mm. you know, he's, he's got um, he's got to think about himself in that regard. And also, he's one injury away from playing in the last sixteen of the Europa League, and um, and in the to- in, a, in a top six Premier League team. So you know, Patricio not not injury prone, um, but you never know, do you? So um, and he, he enjoys it at the club. He's settled. He's happy. Like I said, he's an important figure in that dressing room. So if he's happy to play second fiddle, then it's a no-brainer from Wolves' point of view, in my opinion. Absolutely. Brilliant for him to be staying and what he brings off the pitch as well as uh, potentially on it. Fellow senior players, Jordan Graham, Phil Afosue have left the club. Wolves have confirmed as well. Yeah, no surprises there. 
Nope. And Taylor Perry uh, remaining on the books as well. You can have a look on the Wolves website for that, which you probably have done already. Another couple of tweets for you. David Evans, our friend David Evans, asks, what are the most bizarre Wolves games that are never talked about? Wolves hosting Barcelona in a pre-season game? Losing 6-0 at home to Middlesbrough and getting a standing ovation. I'm pretty sure he means Southampton. And a blizzard at home to Fulham, to name a few. We do talk about that Southampton game a fair bit, or I do. Southampton one, yeah, the Fulham one. That was the day that Sir Jack died. Um, I remember that one. I wasn't at the game, but um, what a good question. I did a story when I was still at the Express and Star, looking back on, you might remember this, Jackie. Do you remember when um, the final game of the season against Middlesbrough was almost called off because there'd been a bomb threat? No, I don't remember. No. What year was that? <laughs> it was in like 1992 and Middlesbrough were, were being promoted to the Premier League and there was um, there was an arson in the Waterloo Road stand and then people, who were never found by the way, the, the perpetrators were never found, they'd put, um, I think it was like shotgun cartridges and dug them into the pitch. Oh yeah, pitch. yeah, yeah, do remember that. Definitely remember the pitch, yeah. And um, I think it was just before the final game of the season at home to Middlesbrough who were already who were going for a promotion. And there was all sorts of conspiracy theories because Middlesbrough's keeper had got injured and they were like, have Middlesbrough done this to try and get the game called off, which is ridiculous. But yeah, they had to they had to dig all these um, cartridge, shotgun cartridges or something out of, the, out of the pitch and the Waterloo Road stand had been set on fire. Um, but the game still went ahead, believe it or not, because it was last game of the season and so much pressure to do it because Middlesbrough were going for a promotion. And finally, David Sutton asks, Tim, can you ever see yourself being on Sky's Sunday supplement with Jackie one day? Yeah. Well, that's if they have me back. Um, we'll have to, have to wait and see when football resumes. Yeah, I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to be asked first. Depends no, on who you know, no. doesn't it, Tim? <laughs> hey. Tim, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. You being the star of the show, the guest of honour, seeing you had so much information. I think, God, we've even gone on longer than we normally do. There's just so yeah, much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Hopefully much more to discuss next week. Yes interesting times remember you can read all of tim's articles free for 90 days by going to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolves pod you can cancel at any time uh, with no obligation within that time too thank you for listening to the molyneux view do feel free to listen back to some of our other pods that we've talked about over the past four months that's how long we've been on the air with you every tuesday morning they are all waiting for you and feel free to leave us a review on itunes if you feel like it that would be nice So uh, all the pods are freely available on all podcast platforms every Tuesday morning. Bye for now. 